so you draw a bullseye, right? There's four circles around it. Uh, to me, there's a work bullseye and there's a personal bullseye. Yeah. The work bullseye, someone would say, Scott, what's the most important part? Like if you had to pick the four most important things of your business, what are they, right? And so many people would say clients, right? What's in that first bullseye? For me, the bullseye is my team, right? Like the first bullseye is my team because if I take care of my team, and my team feels like they are absolutely cared for and they are on the right team, like they're gonna talk differently. They don't go to work every day. They go to their work family every day. Mm -hmm. And that's how they think about our referral partners and it's how they think about our clients. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Hunter Mark Ward. Hunter is a coach with the Core Training Group. Last year, he funded 487 loans. You heard that right, for 280 million in mortgages. He's based out of California, and Hunter was on our show way back in episode 164. And he's got this email called the Sunday Thoughts that he sends out to people, business partners, mortgage brokers in the community called the Sunday Thoughts. And so I'm on this email. And if you want to get on his email list, if you're listening to this on a podcast, double click on the image and then you should be able to see the notes. And in the notes, there'll be an email that you can send and Hunter will add you to his list. But in any case, he sends us this email called the Sunday Thoughts. And it's a great email that he put some time into and just sharing sort of what's going on in his world. He talks a little bit about that in this episode. And recently on one of those, I had seen that he had talked about his team. And I know for a fact that you don't fund up 487 mortgages with an amazing team. So we talk about in this episode, how Hunter keeps his team as his number one priority. It's the center of his bullseye. And that allows him to serve his referral partners and his clients by having that focus. He shares how he structures his team meetings. I was like, okay, this is cool that you have a great team, but how do you keep them great? And so he talks about how he structures the team meetings, what he does on each day, how long the meetings are, the purpose of the meeting, the goal, how they work. And I think this is going to be very valuable if you're thinking about how do I structure my team and how do I you know, keep them engaged and make sure everybody's on the same page. So I think this is really good. And he also shares his team structure. So like who does what? So he's got a pre-approval assistant who helps with pre-approvals and a closing assistant, plus a couple other people. So we go through his actual team structure. And again, the whole goal is you're listening to this going, okay, how do I want my business to look? And if I'm trying to grow my mortgage business, the best way to do it is by team and having A, finding great people, B, investing in those people so that you can then serve more clients and referral partners. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Check it out. My conversation with Hunter. Hunter, welcome back to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Looking forward to this. So yeah, you were on the show way back on episode 164, 2017. And I can't remember what I heard about it, but I heard about this email that you've been sending out, Sunday Thoughts. It's this email list that's been growing, just you sharing sort of some insights and in, in life. And so I thought, hey, I'd love to reconnect. So thanks for uh, taking the time. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. So I want to talk about the email. Where did this idea for Sunday Thoughts come from? And like, how has it kind of started off as a seed of an idea? And now it's continued to just grow and expand. Yeah, so it literally, you know, I've been a coach for the core for the past eight and a half years. And I want to say probably seven years ago, I just decided to send one email out to my students on something that I had heard from my dad, like growing up as a kid, like, you know, if you spent an hour planning on Sunday, your week would be so much better. Right. So I just sent that email out to them. I didn't call it Sunday thoughts. I just, you know, gave them an update on something to think about for the day. I ended up doing one the next Sunday. And then I want to say probably a year later, I just started calling it Sunday Thoughts. And 
it started getting forwarded around to other people. A bunch of people started asking me about it. Hey, can you put me on this distribution list? And which was, you know, flattering and everything else. But what it's really kind of morphed into is me just going, I would say purposeful identification of where I screw up and how I fix things and different things. It's not all negative, but I mean, it's just, there's so many things that we go through in this industry and in life, by the way, on a daily basis where I'm kind of a deep thinker, like problematic to a degree. You know, if I thought a little less, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing. But one of the benefits of that is just analyzing everything that's happening in our lives. It's fascinating for me to understand why we do the things that we do mm-hmm. and hopefully to learn from them, both positive and negative events. When I have the chance to do these Sunday thoughts and write stuff out, it allows me to think about it 10, 15, 20 times over mm-hmm. because I'm putting purpose behind it and that's it. So, I mean, sometimes it's loan related, sometimes it's kid related, sometimes it's spouse related, parent related. So that's basically what it's turned into. And now, you know, my whole company gets it, just a ton of my business partners, friends, you know, there's a couple. So how big, uh, how big did the list start out as and where is it at? It started off as 12 and now there's 2000. Right. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And so I'm on the email list and it's great stuff. And so you basically, you're distilling your lessons or things that you're learning over the last week. And I have found for me anyways, I'm sure it's true for you. When you take the time to write it, you get more clear in your thinking, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, like if I could get people to, I mean, whether or not it's the coaching students, anyone, it's like the amount of detail that goes in, like, to me, it's like, it's writing things and it's talking out loud. Right. Right. If you keep the stuff in your head, it just doesn't go anywhere. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just just doesn't go anywhere. So if I'm talking out loud to someone, you know, if I tell you, Scott, that I have to do something, I verbalize it to you with what I'm going to do, you know, then I'm kind of going against my word if I don't do it, which makes me kind of a, I don't want to say a bad person, but I mean, like, I don't want to go through life as someone that can't be relied on. And, you know, it's like telling yourself, I mean, these are the most basic things, but it's like, if I whisper to myself, I'm going to lose 10 pounds, there's a very small chance that I'm going to do that. If I Mm -hmm. tell you and a couple other people that I'm going to lose 10 pounds verbally, it's going to go up. And if I write it, and then also share it, then I'm going to look like yeah. a serious You share it to 2,000 people. I mean, you're not talking yeah. about you share it to 2,000 people, then they're going to be like, hey, how's it going? Where's the weight loss hunter? Yeah, you know? exactly. You know, I've said that I was going to do that and I didn't do it. And my bet to myself was that I would, I would be a pescatarian for six months, which I had to do, which is just a completely separate subject. But Right. Okay. Just because I have ADD. So how did that go? Because <laughs> if you bring up something, dude, I'm going to be like, what are you talking about? So how did this go for six months? I just had a goal. Like I had my semester goals, like with coaching, you have semester goals, right? It could be personal goals, financial goals. It could be to make X amount of money. It could be save 25% of every paycheck. It could be to lose 25 pounds. And one of mine was to lose 25 pounds. And you also have to have a penalty if you don't hit these goals, right? They can be positive penalties, which is, hey, if I hit these goals, I get to go on a 10-day vacation to Hawaii. If I don't hit these goals, I have to do something silly or give money to a charity, whatever. And in this case, I didn't hit my goals. And my penalty to myself, which sounded fine at the time in January, it wasn't fine in July when I didn't do it, was to not eat anything other than fish for six months, which is- Do you like fish or was this, was this a punishment or was it more like- No, it was a punishment. It was like, I'm not going to eat beef, chicken, anything else for six months. Right. And I did it. Okay. Would you do it again? No, no. <laughs> I mean- Were no, there any was, health benefits that you saw from this? Well, or? 
Yeah. I mean, I absolutely lost some weight. My wife wanted to go, you know, we've got 15 and 17 year old growing boys who they don't want to be pescatarians for six months, nor did Kim. So that part wasn't fun because we're cooking multiple meals and menus every single night. So, right. but it is fun in the sense of like when you get done, it's kind of a weird thing, right? It's like, well, if you had the willpower for the first six months, you wouldn't have had to do it in the first place. But right. saying you're telling yourself you're going to do something as a punishment. And then like on January 1st, when I actually could eat meat again, it was like, honestly, like good on me for doing this. Right. And right. For me, and I think one of the Sunday thoughts you and I kind of talked about, it's like, I can get negative on myself. I can get negative on others. I think sometimes we got to celebrate the wins a little bit more, like give ourselves a, you know, one of my Sunday thoughts was writing a note to myself on what I wanted 2021 to look like as opposed to 2020. And it's one of the things that I wanted it to look like was being less harsh on myself. Like, right. I'm an okay guy, right? Things are going pretty well and I need to give myself a little bit of grace. I think we all need to give ourselves more grace than we give ourselves. And when we do, you just, you feel better. You have more confidence. You're less looking in the rear view mirror is, you know, like everything you've done wrong as opposed to, Hey, flush it, move on. You know, as long as I'm not killing anyone or doing something inappropriately in marriage or fatherhood, whatever, like then get over it, right. Mm -hmm. Get over it and move on. So. Right. That makes sense. Okay. So one of the Sunday thoughts that caught my eye that you said recently was about how you wanted to invest more in your team. So I want to ask about team, but maybe just so we can set the proper frame for this before we get into sort of how you care for, encourage, inspire your team. Let's talk about your business. So I know where you're at, what you've got. So do you mind sharing sort of what did you do last year for numbers and what your team structure looked like? And then we're going to get into that. And then we'll talk about sort of how you manage the team and build your team up. Sure. So last year was we funded, I want to say 280 million in production with a total of 427 loans. So obviously, you know, I think everybody, if you didn't have a good year in the mortgage business last year, you probably shouldn't be in the mortgage business. Yeah, it was a pretty crazy year. Yeah, crazy. So, I mean, normally we're in the, you know, granted, I do want to grow it. I don't necessarily need to be at 280 million, although I wouldn't mind, but we're normally in the 130 to 140 million dollar range. I think moving forward, we'll be in the 200 million dollar a year range. The team looks like basically one, I'll take it out of core terms. So we have a person that's just my assistant, takes care of my coaching stuff, takes care of my calendar, takes care of our gifting program, takes care of, runs the structure of our daily team meeting. I run the team meeting, but she runs the structure of it. So then we have a, what I would call as a pre-approval specialist. I've switched some things around over the years. You know what's working, what's not working. I like the idea of having clients not have to talk to multiple people so that they don't feel like they're calling into a, you know, customer service line. Or like Quicket or something, company. right? Where it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's like, oh, now the next person. Right, right. Line. It's yeah. like, what's, you know, it's like, hi, Richard. I've told you guys 10 times I go by Rich, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. So, right. so I had our team members going from pre-approval all the way to close. And although I like that, what I have found is that it was disruptive to try to manage deals that are in contract, as well as also getting people pre-approved. So we took one of our team members out of the pre-approval to close process, and they're just doing pre-approval period. And then once they go into contract, then we go contract to close. So, so there's only two people contacting the client, the pre-approval specialist. It only feels like, yeah, there's always me talking to the lead and I'm just trying to understand. I have what are called, this is all kind of internal language for us, but they're called LP2 notes. And in that conversation, when I'm talking to a client, you know, I want to understand 
how they were referred, right? So if it's like, hey, Scott, thanks so much for reaching out to us. You know, before we get started, do you mind if I ask what Steve told you about us, just so I have some context as to where to start? What I'm really looking for is to get an understanding. Did Steve say, you got to talk to Hunter, he's the greatest lender on the planet, which would be great. Or did Steve hand out, you know, my contact information with four other lenders and just said, hey, call one of these folks, right? Because I want right. to understand, you know, you think about the trust and where am I? How much I trust you? did you get given at the beginning of this process? Before Totally. And it also helps me understand too, what my business partners are saying about me. You know, right. I mean, I think all of this stuff for me now with where I'm at in my career is I don't need to work with everyone and I don't want to work with everyone. So if you're going to be, I use the language all the time where it's like, I want to be someone's business partner. I don't want to be their vendor. If right. you think of me as your vendor, like I don't need to work with you. If you want to think of me as your business partner and we're going to succeed together, then I'm all in. So I want to get an understanding of how they're referring me, right? You know, if I've worked with someone for five years and I've helped them grow their business and their clients would confirm that and all that stuff, then in my opinion, I deserve to be referred strongly. Mm -hmm. If I just started a relationship with someone and they're sending me their first five opportunities, I should be one of three or four names. They don't know me. I haven't deserved any credibility with them yet, right? So right. you got to prove yourself out. But anyway, so I'm trying to understand how they were referred to me. I'm trying to understand what their personality type is, trying to understand their wants and their needs, get some personal information on them, trying to understand obviously what they're trying to do with buying a house. Are they buying a million dollar home, putting 25% down? Are they W-2'd? Are they RSU income? Are they self-employed? All of these different things. I'm trying to get enough information so that I can take these notes after a 20 to 30 minute conversation, get them to my team members. So when this client fills out the application and submits all the documentation, and then it goes to this pre-approval specialist, they can look at my notes and say, okay, I have a very clear understanding of what we're trying to do on this call, right? Or mm -hmm. on this pre-approval. So they then get it pre-approved. We then have a follow-up, one other conversation, typically with my business partner or myself, we'll go through the pre-approval call, right? Like it's midway through basically saying, hey, it's really important for you to understand the cash to close. It's important for you to understand what the payments are gonna look like. And it's important for us to make sure that we ask any additional questions that we might need to ask and allow you the opportunity to ask questions. Tell clients all the time, we want to put you through as much pain as we can up front so that the rest of it's smooth sailing, right? Mm -hmm. And I tell my clients all the time to kind of, I try to poo-poo the competition to say, if people try to make your pre-approval simple, I would run. Like run for the hills if someone's trying to make your pre-approval look easy because it shouldn't be. And you're going to find out when you go into contract that it's super hard and you wish they had been more diligent. So we're super diligent up front so that the rest of the process is smooth sailing. So then from there, once they get into contract, then we're off to the races. And at that point, we've already established enough rapport. I think we have to be in this environment of technology. You know, if you're competing against some of these big technology based firms, they're going to beat you on process. They're going to beat you on texting you until you bleed to death on, you know, did you fill out the right. loan app, blah, blah, blah. If you can personalize it up front, create some rapport, establish some trust with them, you know, we've just found if we're personal up front, they're not going to leave us down the road. And these other people, there's no relationship development. It's literally just, you know, an email or a text, like I got your name from such and such. And you respond with an email or a text saying, here's the loan application. Let me know when you're done. Right. That's terrible. You know, yeah. so to me, it's all about conversion ratios and everything you're doing throughout the process to make sure that those conversion ratios are on the higher end versus the lower end. Right, okay, so just so I'm clear, there's you, and you do a discovery call, whatever that first call is where you're talking to them. Are those scheduled? How are you, yeah, no, with no, that number of leads? Yeah, because... so my assistant will schedule. So an email comes in, something comes in, 
and she will respond saying, hey, Hunter's really excited or Hunter's in a meeting right now. I'm on his email. I know he'd love to talk to you. How does today at three o'clock work? Right. right. Somebody else is, but you're not wasting time with trying to track people down. Yeah. No, no, no. Not at all. Okay. So then you hand it off to the pre-approval specialist and then that goes to the closing specialist after that. So then how many of these teams of two do you have to do? So, okay. So there's, there's basically, including me, there's nine people on my team. There's okay. a marketing person that is out talking to realtors, maintaining some of our relationships as much as possible. I have my executive assistant and then I have this pre-approval person. Then I have two more and a third one that we just hired that is in training to do that. The pre-approval specialist to me is the one that requires the most technical like, knowledge. You have to be good at guidelines. Like in my market, it's so much jumbo. And I mean, so you have to be really good at understanding how to get it done. And one, make sure that you can get it done, right? Make sure that we're not saying no to someone that someone else is going to say yes to because we didn't understand something. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a more specialized position than contract to close because that position's already, you know, the heavy lifting, if the pre-approval specialist did their job right, then contract to close should be, I mean, famous word should yeah, uh, yeah. be relatively straightforward. So I've got the new person that's on is training with those two contract to close people to get a yeah. better understanding. And then from there, we'll move one more person down to the pre-approval specialist role. So there will be two pre-approval specialists and then two contract to close people. Yeah. And then the other person that I didn't mention is my, what I would call my team captain. She, at this point, been with me for nine and a half years. She's literally, I would consider her my junior business partner at this point. So everything we're doing, she's involved and she can literally wear all hats across the board. So you think of her as just a, you know, she's all over the place. She's locking loans. She's talking to clients. She knows everything from start to finish. She would tell you her role is to deal with 90% of my problems before I have to. Right. When you mentioned business partner, is that your business partner, the person who, or is there another person that's a business partner with you? No, that's my business partner, the team captain. So role. she could also take those lead calls as well, I'm oh, assuming, Oh, for right? sure. Yeah, like, she's amazing. She can do anything. You said how many loans you closed last year? 400 how many what? How many loans did you close? 427. Would you say the curiosity, how many leads do you think that would have been to get that many loans? I don't have it in front of me. I actually should know that off the top of my head. We're averaging 1,200 leads. Yeah. So we're averaging 100 leads a month, basically. Okay. When we talked to you in 2017, where were you? Because this was a few years ago. I don't know if you remember your numbers, but like this was- uh, 2017, I can just tell you because I was in this range. I was probably 120 million. Right. Okay. So now thank you for sharing your team structure. How do you, because you've got lots going on, I want to know about how many meetings do you do a week? How do you keep everybody on the same page? So I guess first thing is meetings. I want to ask about that. So how many meetings do you do with your team and how often? So we do a daily team meeting. On Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday have the same structure. Monday and Friday are a little different. So Monday is we talk about, you know, how everyone's weekends were. And it's quick. I mean, it's like it's it's not unauthentic, but we're also moving through it pretty quickly, right? So talk about how everyone's weekends were. We will then do what we call the wheel of life, which is like twice a year, we will write down something that you're working on around finance, personal life, faith. We call it spirituality. I don't care if someone's, a, you know, you can look at yoga, you can look at your Christianity, you can look at Judaism, whatever, right? Just whatever's yeah. in your thing. But there's seven different ones, relationships, yourself. What we'll do is we'll pull that out once a week and you're picking one topic that you're working on for that week. So I could be like today as an example, I just got back from a coaching summit last week. 
And I chose work for this week because I need to get all my thoughts down on what changes I want to make based on the stuff that I heard there. So that's what I'm focusing on this week. One of the contract to close people said that she is going to be focused on actually following through on her morning routine and walking for at least for the five days this week before work a few miles just to kind of get her head straight. So, so we do that right now. We're actually doing a book club, a book report. So we're reading a book called think like a monk, which I've now read, I think four or five times. So we read a chapter a week. We just talk about like, what was your biggest takeaway from the chapter? And then we go into what are called big rocks. So that is each person on the team showing up with three things that they need to get done for the day. And you can make the argument that people have a thousand things they need to get done, but if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority. So this makes people focus on, they have to come to the meeting, they have to be prepared with what these are. It allows people to think about what their day is gonna look like before their day just being handed to them. So my executive assistant, she'll review the previous, like so she'll go through Fridays, three big rocks per person, and then what they're adding to today, and then tomorrow we'll review what they were supposed to do today, blah, blah, blah. Right. So we go through that, that's it. And then I finish it with Q and A. Everyone asks me a question. It sounds kind of arrogant, but it's really not. Like they can ask me anything non-loan related. So sometimes they're asking about finances. They're asking about whatever. I mean, well, literally- give me an example like, of a question that you would get for something like this. Based on today, what was your biggest takeaway from the summit, Hunter? Right, that was a question. Hunter, do you have any thoughts on our vision moving forward? You've talked in the past about whether or not you wanted to hire a bunch of LOs or whether or not you wanted to have just an amazing back office where you're out getting leads in the door. Have you thought more about it? Yes, great question. I have total clarity now that I'm not looking to bring on LOs. I want a better back end system with me out in front getting as many leads as I can. So that kind of stuff. Someone else could say, I mean, stuff that's come up in the past would be, you know, Hunter, should I be maximizing my 401k? Would you pay off? I see. So you're actually consulting them a little bit too. Oh, totally. I mean, just so people listen, like you talk about like caring and pouring into your people. And by the way, there's plenty of things wrong with me, but I mean, like, you know, as a gift, like I set up like wills and trusts for my team members. Like I've got single moms on there that don't, I don't want to say that a single mom doesn't know how to do this stuff, but they've got so much stuff going on. Like, so I had my, they can be pretty busy. Yeah. I had my trust attorney get on a call with us to help them understand more about, you know, trust. I'll have my financial advisor jump on and review all of their 401ks to make sure that, you know, they're in the appropriate allocation for what they're trying to accomplish. I'll put money into a college fund for them. You know, so that's the stuff that, you know, I think we have to be doing to be better leaders. How long have your team members been with you? It ranges from this new gal that I just hired. I mean, she's been with us for two months, but besides that, people have been three to 10 years. Right. So, so you know, and they tend to stick with you for a while once you have them there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like if you just to finish that, by the way, so the team meetings, then that's Monday's team meeting. That meeting goes 40 minutes. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is all review yesterday's big rocks. What are today's new big rocks? Ask me a question. That's the format for Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm actually not on the Thursday call because I'm coaching. So my team captain will take the Thursday call. And then Friday is instead of doing personal stuff, we're reviewing our weekly metrics. So we're reviewing everyone has weekly metrics as to what they're supposed to, you know, how many pre-approvals were issued, how many calls did I make, how many appointments did I have, how many leads came in, how many loans funded. So we're going through this weekly scorecard and that's the only difference with that one. 
and then we jump into what were your big rocks yesterday? What are your big rocks today? Ask me a question. And then we're right. done. And do they have to ask a question? Or they have to just... ask a question. Like the first time I started doing it, it's totally awkward. But we're all good enough friends. I'm like, we're just going to sit here until you ask me a question. Ask right. me anything you want. Right. So how long are the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday meetings? 20 minutes. You're just quick. Yeah. And by the way, if there's times where we'll get done with the meeting in eight minutes, which is great. You know, I look at everything and say, you know, even with our executive team, we'll be on an executive call. It's like if we get off five minutes early and the annual salary of that call is five million dollars a year and you can take five minutes early out of that, you just created an extra twenty five thousand dollars worth of work that can get done. You know what I mean? Like, right. I know I'm kind of embarrassed that I don't know exactly how many leads, but at one point, like I calculated every single lead that I get is worth at the time. It's worth one thousand one hundred and sixty eight dollars. Right. So it's like, so if I know how much each leads worth, like when I answer that phone, even though I don't feel like answering the phone all the time, like I'm thinking of that phone, like if someone was going to hand me a thousand dollars to answer this call, would I do it? Yes. Like, heck yeah. Yeah. It just changes kind of the purpose of what we're doing. Right. Have you ever done an Enneagram before? No. Okay. It's like a, how you think test. You have different numbers. There's nine of them. It's kind of interesting. Someone told me about that. What's it called? Enneagram. E-A-N-N. I'll send you a link where you can check it out, but there's a book on it. It's interesting for understanding people's motivations. But anyways, I don't know what number you are. I'd be interested to know based on what you're saying about how you like the data and the information and stuff, what your personality profile would be. Okay, so then those meetings are 40. Is there anything else you do with your team? So how else do you care for your team beyond these meetings? You said you have, you know, you bring in some experts, you put some money into a college fund for them. What are the kind of things you feel like you do that would- Some of them, I review their finances if they want me to. I offer it to everybody, like monthly budgets, review how much we're saving. I would say I've created an environment where everybody can do this stuff. Like like it's Mother's Day, right? So we sent out Uggs to each mom on the team and I called them yesterday to wish them a happy Mother's Day. I mean, super simple stuff, right? But I mean, we're, you know, virtual happy hours. I mean, one of the things with COVID is everyone's gone now, which I hate, but I just have to accept the fact that it's a new reality. They all work Um, from home or they work from their own? They're working from home, but they're also all over the place. I mean, with where I am, it's so blasted expensive. You know, I mean, the fact is that I make more money than anybody on the team, right? So it's a lot easier for me to live in the Bay Area than it is for someone else to live in the Bay Area. So it's like I have to make the decision, you know, it is important for me to have a great culture. Actually, it's everything to me. But- would you rather have great people that can't come into the office or would you rather deal with you know what's around you? And I'm not suggesting one's better than the other. I just, for me, I would rather have great people if they're responsible and, you know, but unfortunately yeah. for me, that also means they're not here. Okay. So you'd mentioned something about the bullseye. What is that before we were chatting? So bullseye is a literally, if you drew, and I went through this with my coach, it's just like clarifying to me on, oh my God, this makes so much sense. So you draw a bullseye, right? There's four circles around it. Uh, to me, there's a work bullseye and there's a personal bullseye. Yeah. The work bullseye, someone would say, Scott, what's the most important part? Like if you had to pick the four most important things of your business, what are they, right? And so many people would say clients, right? What's in that first bullseye? For me, the bullseye is my team, right? Like the first bullseye is my team because if I take care of my team, and my team feels like they are absolutely cared for and they are on the right team, like they're going to talk differently. They don't go to work every day. They go to their work family every day. Mm-hmm. And that's how they think about our referral partners. And it's how they think about our clients. So for me, my bullseye starts with my team. My second bullseye are my referral partners. Yeah. Because if I'm taking care of my referral partners, then my referral partners are referring their clients stronger 
to me, right? right. So it goes team, business partners, then clients, and then outside of that is the company because I just I do some stuff for the company as well on you know communication, some leadership, some coaching for the sales force. So having clarity, and you talk about getting stuff in writing, having clarity on what that looks like is super important because you also go back, which is the Sunday thoughts that you're talking about. My team would tell you, I'm actually, I'm looking at surveys today on how they rated me. One of the questions I asked them is how am I as your leader? And I legitimately want negative feedback. Like you're not allowed to give me a 10 to say, you know, you're perfect. We need right. to hear what we're not doing to get better. But mm -hmm. That meeting on Monday, which is super impactful, impactful and important. But I realized on a 40 hour work week, it literally represents me spending 20 minutes with my team talking about their personal goals, a book report, whatever. It literally takes 0.008% of my work week to do that. Right. Which is kind of amazing, right? Like it's super good in the sense that that's the most impactful 0.008%. It's I'm in the center get. of the center of the bullseye is what you're exactly. talking really what that is. Right, right. But I'm also going, okay, if the center of my bullseye is team and I'm allocating less than 1% of my time to my team members on their personal lives, there's got to be some wiggle room there. You know, right. I mean, if I move that to 5%, what am I doing for them? Right. So. That's exactly the email that I saw. So have you given thought to how that looks like to expand, you know, from that 0.01% to? Yeah, I mean, I'm literally, I'm thinking about it, right? Like, it's one of the things, my takeaways that came out of the event, which is, it is absolutely more time, but it's just being more invested in what they want to do with their lives. I mean, whether or not it's financially, whether or not it's supporting charities that they're passionate about, helping them buy a house, whatever I need to dig deeper into what, I mean, I think I know some of these things, but it's not, there's a difference between thinking and knowing, right? right. It's like, do I know or do I think I know? And I need to spend more time. And you also have to, I mean, I don't need everybody to, you do coaching too. It's like, it's hard because I don't want to push myself on them. Like you guys, like I'm going to change your world one way or the other. Right. I just want to be able to help them with their world, assuming they want the help. And most of the people that are going to be on our team because of the way that we operate, are the type of people that want some help. We just don't so want their coach. What you're saying is they're coachable. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well yep. said they're coachable. They're coachable. They're mm -hmm. yeah. They're just open. They know I care about them. So they're just open to the idea of, yeah, let's give it a shot, but they're not all super motivated to go do different things. Right. And that's okay too. Right. They're not you. That's totally okay. Okay. So before we wrap up this conversation, it's very helpful, by the way, thank you for taking the time to talk about your team. So if people are listening to this and they want to get on your Sunday email list, how do they do that? Are you okay? Me sharing that? Is that okay? Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah. I just moved over to a system. Like if you forwarded my Sunday thoughts, Scott, to someone, yep. they can go on the bottom and they can subscribe to it now. Okay. So just, they could email me. I'll forward it to them. You say that would be the best way to do it. Yeah, totally. Or if they want to email me, you know, if you just Google Hunter Mark Ward, my contact information will pop up. But okay. Yeah. And just put email, Sunday thoughts, add me to Sunday thoughts or something. And then somebody in your team will do it. I want to be respectful. But if people want to get on there, I think it's a great thing that you're doing. So thanks. My email address is hunter at rpm hyphen mtg.com. So if they email me directly, that's fine. Okay. They can add you to this. All right. Any final thoughts as we wrap up this conversation on, you know, caring for your team and I always say that there's plenty of things that are wrong with me, but one of the things I just love doing is helping people. And I think if you have that mindset with your team first, 
like and your team doesn't have to be like i think of like how i got to where i am right now versus where i was five six seven years ago for the last probably five years it's like that daily team meeting is sacred it does not not happen ever right but i think people just get so weirded out by like they're afraid to lead they're afraid to be vulnerable enough to say hey do you need help hey do you want to go through a budget hey do you want to do this with me do you want to do a book report they think it's cheesy they think it's something whatever right and i would just say that it's not like people will stay with you if you act like a leader to them if you act like a boss to them they'll leave at the next best opportunity so mm -hmm. I would just say, you know, get out of your weirdness zone of you don't know how to lead. All you have to do is care about someone and hold them accountable and hold some responsibility for making their life better too. It's almost selfish, right? Like because of what I do for my team members, selfishly, they help me quite frankly, make more money because they're so good at their jobs that clients right. get addicted to using us. And that's why people keep coming back. But it's all at the end of the day because everybody cares about one another. Right. That's fantastic. That's a great way to wrap up this call. Thanks, Hunter. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks, Scott. Talk to you later. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.